Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are continuing our stories from the game-worn community, and tonight we have a return guest. You'll know him as the Pence collector that we had a couple of weeks ago, Jeff Laskowski. If you remember, he did an interview a couple of weeks ago about some of the Pence jerseys and stuff, and we have him back tonight for a couple of different questions, another one of our game-worn collector conversations. This episode's going to be a little bit... There will be some jersey talk, but it's probably going to be more... From the historical side, if you have or haven't been checking in to the Locked On Podcast Network, we've uh, some of our shows have been doing like best and worst seasons. So we're going to challenge Jeff a little bit tonight with a couple of best and worst season memories. Jeff, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me back, Harrison. Had a uh, had a real good time last time and looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, we had a really great conversation. And I think that these questions are going to be a, a pretty good, pretty good set to, to go through. So. We'll kick us off with our first one. Tell us about your favorite Penn season and what made it special. And then did you actually have a jersey from that year? Okay, so a couple of questions there. And, I, you know, as a, as a lifelong Penguins fan who's been, you know, born and raised here in the Pittsburgh area, I, I have been very fortunate in terms of my hockey fandom uh, to have, you know, the, the, you know, with Pittsburgh having uh, – you know, have won five Stanley Cups in in my lifetime, uh, and having made the finals a sixth time. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, between the success and the players that we've had here in Pittsburgh, it's almost been like uh, an embarrassment of embarrassment of riches almost. So, uh, you know, there there's a lot to choose from. I would have to say that the most special season would have been that first cup year, which was 1990-91. Pittsburgh was out of the playoffs uh, early, uh, you know, through the, you know, the early part of calendar year, 1991. Uh, And they, they made some trades. Uh, Some of them broke my heart here, (laughs) especially the, uh, uh, you know, the trade with Hartford that brought Ron Francis and brought Elf Samuelson and, you know, argue, arguably brought the cup to Pittsburgh, but they they had to give up some really good young players in John Cullen and Zarley Zalapsky uh, to uh, you know to pull that off. Um, that season was a season that they weren't supposed to do anything. They had been eliminated from the playoffs on the last day of the regular season the year before. So they went from a team that didn't even make the playoffs to a team that uh you know was was able to win the division for the for you know the first time in in recent history uh and and they got hot at the right time and and they they really pulled it off with a with a combination of uh you know they had the uh you know of course they had mario right and they had paul coffee you had your your star power veterans they had brought in brian trottier uh from the new york islanders to bring uh, uh, some much needed experience. Uh, Joey Mullen, same thing. Um, but they had some good up and coming players in Kevin Stevens and Mark Reckie, 
uh, and Tom Barrasso in goal finally came into his own as well. And and it was Badger Bob Johnson, uh, the Penguins' one-year coach, uh, whose last game that he coached was game six against Minnesota in those cup finals before he had passed away from, from brain cancer that fall. Uh, the, the stars really aligned uh, for Pittsburgh, and it really woke this city up in terms of being a legitimate hockey town. So I, I will always look back favorably on a number of seasons, but especially that one. Yeah, I think uh, for a lot of folks, as far as the first time, I think is always one of the most special moments, which is kind of funny because we were, we were just chatting before this call a little bit about some of the teams that we follow. You know, I'm, I'm a Jets fan, and I'll also root for the Caps because they're local. But I remember when the Caps won the Cup, that team was super funny because – Washington has always had expectations of winning the cup every year. They assemble some super team and they, they basically breeze through the regular season. And yet when they hit the playoffs, there's always that one series against Pittsburgh or something that just seemingly screws them no matter what every single year it happens. So when Washington finally beat the pens, I have to say, I don't think any of us actually believe that we're kind of looking at this roster thinking, no, there's no way. It's not possible. <laughs> not with this team, right? Not with this team. There's how many teams from before have like come and fall, you know fallen at the feet of Pittsburgh, and then you know they face Tampa Bay the next round, and it's like, is this really happening? Like, is this really going to be the team? And I guess at some point people just kind of gave in and said, whatever, you know, let's just see what happens. But it's kind of funny because that that let's just see what happened ended up with a cup win. Well, 2018 was a really special year for for Washington as well. Uh, you know, they they had a uh, they were they were working with a new coach, uh, and and the planets kind of aligned for them as well. You know, they they broke the the curse of the Penguins, and I've always thought that uh, being a Washington Capitals fan was the hockey equivalent of being a, a Chicago Cubs fan before. You know, Chicago had some recent successes, but they had gone so long and they had so many, uh, so many really talented teams. I mean, there were, there were teams like I go back to, I, I, I go back to, to 1992 uh, and I believe that, you know, Penguins met the Capitals in the first round and the Capitals were the second overall team uh, behind the New York Rangers uh, in, in the regular season. Uh and, you know, they had all the talent in the world. Uh, I don't know if you remember back that far. Uh, but, you know, you had Peter Bondra. Don Beaupre was a was a really solid uh, goaltender for them. Uh, you know, Kelly Johansson and Rod Langway back on defense. Uh, you know, Pavanko with uh, uh, Kelly Miller up front alongside. Uh, you know, they had, they had some really, really talented teams back then. But for whatever reason, the, the, the puzzle pieces just didn't go together. Uh, you know, you hear about breaks and bounces and you make your own breaks and so on and so forth. And I believe that, but the Capitals have historically up until 2018 had a really long run of bad luck that was not indicative of the type of talent and the type of teams that they were, that they were putting on the ice. So, uh, you know, as, as, as much as I hate, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the Capitals being a Penguins fan, I was, I was actually kind of happy for them. Uh, you know, if the Penguins couldn't win it, obviously, uh, you know, they, I, I think Washington and its fan base deserve to uh, deserve to have a cup run. And they and they sure did celebrate after the fact. So good for them. 
Yeah, I guess we decided after after decades of not having any sort of, of professional sports relevance, they were going to win back-to-back uh, calendar years of two major pro sports championships. I mean, what a what a weird turn of circumstances to have both the Caps and the Nationals pull off two victories. But uh, aside from that, I think we I think we discussed a little bit before this call, but you mentioned that 1990 to 91 was one of the jersey styles that you did not have, or you did have that one. I all right. So I first started collecting jerseys back then. That would have been. Uh, that would have been my second year of college. Um, so I first started collecting jerseys back then. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I just wanted a Penguins jersey. Uh, and the, the Penguin player that I got was was John Cullen. And uh, having had the benefit of, of seeing your questions uh, ahead of time, I'm, I'm going to save a little story about that one here for later. Uh, but I, I got a John Cullen jersey, and it was right after that cup run. Uh, sorry, right after the second, uh, because they had won back to back cups in 91 and 92. It was right after that that I learned the difference between the authentic on ice jerseys and, and the replica, you know, the fan replicas that were available at the, at the sporting goods stores. Um, learned a difference, learned the difference about that. And that's really when I got into uh, collecting, you know, jerseys you know, hardcore, if you will. Uh, I do have a team issued. It's, it's not a game worn Jersey, but I do have a team issued Ronnie Francis, uh, penguins Jersey from the 92 cup run. The, the jerseys would have been the same. Just the, the patchwork was different. Uh, it was, it was a team issue Jersey that was worn on, uh, at various team marketing events like autograph signings after the 1992, uh, Stanley cup run. Uh, but I, I don't have, the uh, the 1991 version again same same jersey just different uh, different patchwork. Uh, I have the original patches uh, that I was able to uh, to get from those years. I just need to find a jersey to put them on, or you know to, to put those patches on. But but good luck finding one of those here now, almost 30 years after the fact. But uh, you know, yeah, they say good things come to those who wait. Well, I've been waiting a really long time, so I'm hoping that I'll I'll be able to find one at, at some point in time. Yeah, crossing fingers on your hunt. I know everyone probably has at least one jersey that continues to elude them slightly, but eventually these things tend to find their way, I guess, coming full circle, so to speak. So we have talked a lot about, like, positive memories, but mm-hmm. if you had to pick one season for Pittsburgh that – just really hurt you and you didn't like it or there was something heartbreaking about it or maybe it just generally sucked which you know us Jets fans can attest to the fact that we have a lot of seasons of <laughs> of, uh, of just being sucky or, or mediocre at best so we're, we're used to some bad seasons but you guys haven't had too many bads I think you guys are what 25 straight years of playoffs is that something like that something ridiculous for the Pittsburgh Pens. I- I, I don't know that it's that long uh, because Pittsburgh has some really, some really lean years uh, from the late nineties going into uh, the early two thousands. Uh, they had some really, really lean years after, uh, you know, I, after, after Yager and Francis uh, had, had left Pittsburgh as did a lot of other, really solid players just due to salary cap and team financial reasons. 
Um, you know, it, it seemed like they were in a perpetual state of rebuilding, much in the same way that the Pittsburgh Pirates have been since <laughs> since forever, seemingly. Um, there were some really, really lean years, but as far as what I would consider the most disappointing season, I'd, I'd have to go in the Wayback Machine again to 92-93 because that was the year that the Penguins were supposed to just do it all. They had uh, they had won the President's Trophy. They had finished the regular season on an 18-game unbeaten streak. So they were getting hot at the right time. Uh, their, their lineup was absolutely stacked. Of course, they had Lemieux up front. Uh, Ron Francis was the best second-line center in hockey. I mean, it's, it's, it's always good when you can have a Hall of Famer be uh, your second-line center. Uh, Brian Trottier was a third-line center, so again, another Hall of Famer. Uh, so really strong down the middle. Uh, Yager was coming into his own. Uh, Kevin Stevens uh, was was the, the prototypical power forward back then. Uh, a lot of really solid play on defense and in goal. Uh, it was the team that was just supposed to dominate. And, you know, a lot of the local sports writers were trying to figure out what day the uh, the Stanley Cup parade was going to be uh, held because it was a foregone conclusion that, uh, that Pittsburgh was going to win. Uh, you know, I think they got a little spoiled in that regard. And, and possibly, I, I obviously, I, I don't know the, the, you know the team, and I doubt if anybody would ever say this out loud, even, even if I did know them. Uh, but but I, I think there was a little bit of overconfidence involved, and they ran into a New York Islanders team that uh, took them to seven games, and uh, I, I'll never forget it. Uh, in, in that game, uh, David Volek scored in overtime uh, of Game 7 in Pittsburgh, and, and that was all she wrote. So that was that was what's widely regarded as, as one of the Penguins' biggest failures, and that also started a new era within Pittsburgh of financial insolvency and all that fun stuff that, that led to some really down years within the team. Um, going back to, to the, the earlier question uh, about, uh, you know, favorite teams, the 2017 team, uh, and, I'll, and I'll wrap this up with, with a story about the jerseys as well. Uh, the 2017 team was a, was a team that really was expected not to do very much, even though they were coming off a championship in 2016. Uh, they had been plagued by injuries for pretty much the entire year, uh, especially with their, uh, you know, on the, on their blue line. Uh, Chris Letang had, had uh, I believe he had herniated a disc in his neck that required him missing pretty much the entire second half of the season as well as the playoffs. Uh, you may remember a, you may remember pictures of him during uh, those telecasts, uh, him being up in the, in the press box with a neck brace on having gone through neck surgery to, to repair uh, the disc in his, in his neck. I was, you know, that, that was a team that was supposed to do nothing due to the injuries, but they, they were able to muddle through it and they were able to, you know, score the timely goals and get the timely saves when they needed to, especially with a, with an upstart goaltender at the time, Matt Murray. Um, I was lucky enough that uh, talking about Latang's injury. So he was diagnosed with his injury right before the outdoor game uh, that they played against uh, Philadelphia 
uh, the stadium series game and in Pittsburgh had some really neat gold jerseys with uh, that, that, that had since they played the game at Heinz Field, which was the, the Steelers uh, football stadium, uh, they kind of designed the jerseys to give a little nod to the Steelers. So the, the lettering on the jerseys uh, actually resembles uh, the same lettering style that you'll see on uh, Pittsburgh Steeler logos. And they were really neat looking jerseys. They're similar to the to the gold alternate jerseys that Pittsburgh wears now, but the lettering was different. Um, so because he was uh, ruled out just prior to uh, that stadium series game, they had had three jerseys made up for Chris Letang uh, because they wore different jerseys every period. Uh, and then they also wore a fourth set of those jerseys in two home games after that. Uh, I was lucky enough to get my hands on uh, what would have been Latang's game issue jersey that he would have worn in those two uh, home games. Uh, after the fact, so they they don't have the the stadium series patches on it, but they have some internal labeling that speaks to those specific uh, home games, one against Philadelphia and one against Carolina, where the team wore those jerseys. But I was amazed at the level of customization that went into that jersey. Everything from uh, uh, the shortening of the sleeves uh, that that Latang. Uh, wears or that you know that he prefers right down to you know the Reebok Edge jerseys they kind of have tails in the front in the back they're not cut straight across like the old CCM 6100s were um, but uh, his are actually cut and rehemmed at the bottom you'll notice that when he skates his jersey's always tucked into his into his pants uh, it's for that reason uh, that that they they do a level of customization on these things, uh, you know, just for player preference, and and uh, that jersey is really neat to look at. I I have that one hanging up downstairs in my game room, uh, so it's a you know just a just a neat little story from one of those things that I would never be able to do unless it were a case where you know if it weren't for an injury or whatever the case may be. It's kind of weird how you can add things to your collection. Uh, as a result of the misfortunes of some of the players or, or whatever the case may be. I think I just looked that, that style up. That's the, the all gold with, I think the black numbers, right. Kind of looks like a little bit like the, uh, almost like an air force or something kind of, kind of numbering on the back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not just the standard two layer tackle twill. It, it's actually the, the jerseys come out in pizza uh, in pieces that look like they're actually stenciled onto the jerseys. Now each individual piece is cut out and sewn onto a, a gold twill letter. Uh, and this goes for the letters and the numbers it, uh, the, the numbers are, uh, black on white and then onto gold. Uh, but they're cut out, they're cut out in pieces to resemble, uh, the stenciling of the Pittsburgh Steelers logo. Uh, if, if you're familiar with that at all. So it's, it's a, it's a really neat look that was just used for the, for the one year. And it's a, it's a pretty neat, uh, pretty neat addition to the collection. Doesn't hurt that that ended up being a wonderful cup year, much to uh, Washington DC fans chagrin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, that was another year that, uh, that the Penguins broke the Caps fans hearts way back when. I, there are very few seasons where that isn't the case. 
No, but it, that, I guess that just makes 2018 sweeter for, for the Washington fan base, right? No kidding. The they, finally break. Know, those, those, those diehard Caps fans, and there are a lot of them, and they make a lot of noise in that building. Uh, you know, they, they've, they, they've earned it. The, the folks that have stuck through, uh, you know, stuck with that team through all the trials and tribulations, you know, good for them. They've, they've earned it after a whole lot of seasons that ended in a whole lot of bad feelings and stuff like that. So, you know, can't, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't want to wish anything bad to them, you know, just, you know, offer the congratulations and, and God knows it's, it's good hockey to watch. So, you know, whenever the Penguins and Capitals are on the ice, it's always a good game. Now, the one team that I definitely have ill feeling towards as a sports fan will always be Vegas. For some reason, it's kind of funny. Vegas ended up with with the old Caps GM. That guy, I think it was um, what's his name? It's it's George funny. McPhee. Yeah, McPhee. He is actually, or at one point, was afraid of the Jets, which is really funny. He would always make these trades and stuff, and a couple of them were actually made with Pittsburgh. I think involved. To, to ensure that the Jets didn't improve their roster because he felt like they were going to smash them in the conference finals. And it ended up that the Jets made trades that actually made the team even better than they would have if, if Vegas had just let the original deals go through and Vegas still won. And I'm like, was all of this pettiness really necessary? Did they have to do that? Because he made a very clear point of coming after the Jets. And I'm thinking to myself, now he started like another three years of us waiting for for another playoff run of interest. I, I remember when he was the GM for Washington uh, and, and he had no qualms about saying that Pittsburgh is the team that we, excuse me, that we have to beat. And this, you know, trade or this deal, this signing, whatever the case may be was done specifically to address where we think we're lacking when we match up against Pittsburgh. Uh, when he took over as the GM in Vegas, and I heard him, I, I heard comments made similarly uh, towards Winnipeg because it was, you know, the, 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 the Jets were the, the team that everybody thought was the team to beat. Uh, you know, they were a really solid team. Uh, you know, just, you know, top to bottom, they didn't have a lot of holes. And, and I remember laughing with my friends saying, look, McPhee's doing the same thing out in Vegas that he was doing in Washington. Uh, and, and I said, there, that hasn't worked out real well for him in the past. So I'd be surprised if it worked out well for him again. Well, it worked against, uh, you know, it, it did work against Winnipeg coincidentally enough, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they fell short against against the Caps. I, I think his job was made a whole lot easier. If you look at Vegas uh, in their first year of existence um, as an expansion team, and you compare those rosters to what the Sharks and the Senators and the Lightning had back in the early 90s, it was, it was daylight and dark. I mean, those San Jose and, and Ottawa uh, – and, and Tampa Bay teams were really, really weak teams uh, because they were expansion teams. But there were so many different things that could be protected uh, or teams could protect so many different players that they could, uh, you, you know, they, they, 
those teams didn't have the luxury of protecting as many players when Vegas came into the league, nor will they hear, uh, what is it, not this coming year, but the following season when Seattle uh, joins the NHL. Uh, that allows them to put a competitive team on the ice in year one, which is great, uh, though you don't necessarily expect a, a, an expansion team to make it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. But they were able to get some really good, solid players. Uh, and, you know, the, the face of the franchise, if you would, if you will, would be the longtime Pittsburgh goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, you know, if it weren't for the relaxed rules uh, for the expansion draft, they they never would have been competitive. And you never know. It might have been Winnipeg's year that year. Yeah, Winnipeg-Washington final probably would have killed me, but that's okay. I think Winnipeg matched up really, really well against Washington back then. Because yeah, when that would have been matched a... their speed, and they could also match their size, especially back on a blue line. That would have been a really good series to watch. I, I would have, I would have killed to go to one of those games. Although it's probably good that I didn't, because I probably would have spent a lot of money to get into at least one of the Cup Finals <laughs> games. You and me both. <laughs> so we're uh, we're going to transition to our last question here, and this one's going to be a tough one compared to some of the other questions. Mm-hmm. But if you had to pick one favorite P- Pittsburgh Penguin. Who is it, and what makes that player so special? I'm again. I'm going to go in the in the way back machine here, uh, and I'm really starting to date myself and show how old I am. I'm I'm 48, by the way, in case anybody was curious. But uh, my a lot of people are going to say Lemieux or Crosby or Malkin or you know uh, you know a lot of the folks that lean towards goalies will say Tom Barrasso or or Flurry. Uh, my first ever quote unquote favorite player uh, was was a penguin center by the name of John Cullen. Um, I had mentioned earlier that it was his jersey was the it, it was a replica jersey, but his jersey was the first jersey that I bought uh, when I was back in college and I wanted a, a, a penguins jersey to to wear to some games back when you could get tickets for twenty bucks a piece. Um, Cullen to me was the epitome of an all around player. Uh, you know, not only could he score and he was scoring well, uh, you know, he was a leader in a locker room. They had made him an alternate captain early in just his second year in, in the NHL. Um, but he was also good on defense and he wasn't afraid to drop the gloves if he had to, um, didn't always fare too well <laughs> when he did, but, uh, uh, you know, he still wasn't afraid. He, he wouldn't shy away from that sort of stuff. He was just a really, really scrappy guy. Uh, and, and I always loved the way he played the game. Uh, that's why I was really upset whenever the Penguins were, you know, starting to come into their own and needed to, to make a few tweaks. And it turned out that, that he was one of the tweaks when he went to Hartford, uh, him and, uh, Zarly Zalapsky, uh, who, who unfortunately has passed away here relatively recently, I want to say within about the last year. Uh, he was an up-and-coming defenseman uh, for Pittsburgh, and then they traded a, uh, a minor leaguer for uh, Francis Ulf Samuelson and, and another big defenseman, Grant Jennings. And that really played a, a big role in bringing the Cup to, to Pittsburgh. So uh, Cullen had bounced around the... NHL uh, for a couple of years. He went to uh, he went to Hartford, 
Then he ended up in Toronto. Then he came back to Pittsburgh for a season in 94-95. Um, after that year, he had signed with Tampa as a uh, as a free agent and led them uh, to their first uh, playoff appearance. Uh, and then he ended up getting uh, uh, the, the story from from what I've from what I've read about it was that he wasn't feeling well uh, and and he had a cold that he just couldn't shake and it turned out that uh, his wife contacted the training staff in Tampa at, at, you know within the Lightning organization and had uh, had him they had them check. Calling out, and it turned out that after a couple of doctor visits, they found about a baseball-sized tumor uh, in his chest that was non-Hodgkin lymphoma, which was the same thing that Mary Lemieux had gone through. So Cullen had taken the entire rest of that year off um, in in treatment. He had come back the following year, uh, played a few games for Tampa. Uh, then they had sent him to Cleveland, uh, their AHL or IHL, I, I think it might have been the International League affiliated at the time, to, uh, you know, just kind of like on a rehab assignment to get his get his win back and stuff like that. Uh, it turned out that he got a bout of bronchitis while he was up in Cleveland, and it was a really big scare that the cancer had come back. So he just immediately retired, uh, you know, didn't want to put his family through that stuff anymore. And uh, he ended up taking a job as an assistant coach behind the bench with a Lightning. But if you, you may remember Tampa Bay's jerseys back then, I want to say this would have been 95, 96. Uh, they had, or maybe the following year, but uh, do you remember they, they would have the jerseys? Uh, Cullen had worn number 12 for them. So they were, they were shamrock-shaped patches for good luck with a number 12 on them. Those were uh, those were for him, and they they started the Lightning organization started a cancer awareness uh, fundraising campaign that has grown significantly and has has now been moved to league wide, which is the Hockey Fights Cancer Initiative that you see in the NHL right now. That all started with John Cullen back in in his days with the Lightning, um, and. Uh, he also he won the Masterton Trophy for uh, for perseverance to hockey that year in his comeback year as well. Um, from a jersey standpoint, I had told you that the first jersey that I ever got was that replica jersey back in uh, the ninety ninety one jersey uh, Penguins home jersey that uh, was you know the, the the replica first jersey I ever bought. Lo and behold, uh, fast forward that, I've actually been able to, be able to pick up a couple of Cullen Gamers. I picked up his 89-90, so his second year, first full year jersey with the Penguins, a road jersey. Uh, and then in a in a just a crazy stroke of luck, I was able to pick up the last jersey he ever wore with Pittsburgh, which would have been their 90-91 home jersey. Um it was it was the last home jersey he wore with Pittsburgh before being traded to Hartford. So the really neat part about that is the jersey he was wearing when I got my first replica jersey way back when I was actually able to pick up his gamer. Uh, I, I did that within the last I'm going to tell you within the last year. Uh, but talk about bringing a collection full circle and that uh, that jersey had had bounced around from owner to owner here over the years but it's definitely going to stay put here 
with me for 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 quite a long time. There's a there's a lot of special sentiment in that one. I think a, a lot of folks feel, in some ways, you know, kind of the same way. Obviously, I think John John is kind of a unique case. I think that he's had some very difficult struggles throughout his life and career. It sounds like he was a little bit before my time. I was I was actually I'll date myself. I was born in '94, so I was a a couple of years after I guess that that first opening era of Pittsburgh hockey. Um, and like, I wasn't like a super serious hockey fan until probably the past seven to nine years, maybe. Uh, but I remember one of the first players that I ever really fell in love with, and he remains probably one of my favorite all time players, especially from the contemporary players is, is Dustin Bufflin and, uh, his retirement, basically his retirement, like, like two or three days ago, uh, for me was kind of like a sad thing to see, man, like Bufflin, I don't know. He was always one of these guys who he played such a, a a unique game. And I don't think that there will ever be somebody who approaches things quite the same way. He had a really funny trajectory. I think he was, he was a left last pick in, in the draft year that he was taken by Chicago. And I'm pretty sure the GM said that he was never going to become any kind of NHLer. And of course that didn't happen. Uh, but when he was with Chicago, he was a winger. And then basically overnight when he came to Winnipeg um, and and briefly with, I think, one season with Atlanta, they realized that he could be something a little more. And I forget which season he actually transitioned, but he basically went from being a winger to being a, a top-tier defenseman overnight, which you just don't really see from many players. But I think the enduring images everybody always has of him is when there'd be some scrum along the wall and he'd just grab two guys by the scruff of the neck and pull them out. And the funniest thing was, no matter what, whoever was getting pulled out, at first they'd kind of like get angry or whatever, and then they'd look up and see him, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, we're not messing with that." So they just <laughs> they just kind of skated away. Well, that but, that that's Big Buff in a nutshell, right? I mean, he yeah. was, you know, he's always been a good-hearted guy, uh, you know, a, a heck of a good teammate from everything that I, that I've read on him. Uh, there was even some talk about his, uh, you know, maybe bringing him into Pittsburgh, uh, you know, late this year, uh, before the the the, uh, the the coronavirus took took over the world, uh, you know, and possibly even next year. But I I, I hadn't heard that he had officially retired, uh, so that's that's a shame to see. Uh, he was definitely, you know, from a player standpoint, he was definitely one of a kind. Uh, you know, he was the guy. He he went. Uh, you know, and it's, I, I respect the the, the 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 daylights out of him, just like I did John Cullen back in the day, because he never took a shift off. Uh, you know, he was he was a hard nosed player. Uh, he was scrappy. Now he was also a really big guy too, right? So if if he was going to grab up on somebody, you know, players were going to think twice. Uh, you know, and and it turned out that later on in his career, I think I think Chicago kind of kind of messed up with him. You know, they, they had him up, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they had him on a right wing up there. Um, you know, and, and, and while he was, you know, a, 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 an average NHL player, uh, you know, once they moved him back to the blue line, you know, with his ability to hit, his ability to separate people from the puck, he was never overly slow, but he his, his just the bone-crunching hits – uh, that he would deliver that, that kind of became a signature after a while. Uh, 
you know, he was, he was a, a complete hockey player. Now I, I, I don't know off the, off the top of my head, how old he is now. I know he's been in the NHL for quite some time. And of course that yeah. takes, that takes its toll, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame to see, uh, you know, see the, the, the really, not just the really good players, but, but the, the, the players who, you know, really kind of scrapped and, and clawed to, to make their name in the NHL. You, you hate to see those players, you know, re- retire because they're, those are the guys that, that you really look up to. Those are the guys that a lot of the younger players look up to, uh, you know, and all that stuff. So the, 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 the NHL and not having big buff around anymore is, uh, is, is definitely, uh, you know, uh, they they lost a little bit when 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 they lost him. Although I'm sure some players who had to play against him aren't really shedding any tears. Uh, but no, can, can congratulations to him on a uh, on a on a heck of a career, and and certainly wish him the best moving forward. Yeah, I don't think he's like officially officially announced it, but I think basically he he said he's lost the feeling of of wanting to play hockey at this point, and it seems like. I think he's just hanging up the skates because, you know, he's like 32, 33 and, and the amount of wear and tear on his body is definitely something that I'm sure he thinks about. And it's interesting from what I've heard playing in the NHL, he he definitely enjoyed it, but it was never anything where he felt he had to do it. You know, at any point he was comfortable moving on with his life. It's just that that time didn't come until this past year or two. And so for a long time, he was, he was very happy to keep playing, you know, with the jets and stuff, but you know, sometimes folks just are kind of, kind of done and they decide to hang it up. Well, how, how nice would that be? Um, You know, that, that, that's a really fortunate position to be in uh, that you can have the, that you can have the mindset of, I have a job. I love my job. It's, it's, you know, one could argue that it's, you know, being a professional athlete is, is one of the greatest jobs in the world that you could have. But when the time comes and, and I have something else that I'd want to do and, and God knows what it is, whether it's, you know, spend time with his family or whether it's into other, you know, types of ventures, whatever it is, he has the perspective it sounds like from what you're telling me, it sounds like he's got the perspective to say, okay, that was fun. And I can walk away with no regrets and I can get on with the next chapter of my life. Now you compare somebody that has that perspective with a lot of the athletes that hang around just a year or two, too long. So, you know, again, props, props to big buff and certainly wish him the very best. Yeah, he's uh, he's had quite the career, and I'm sure Jets fans will always uh, always treasure and remember him, even though, unfortunately, he and the team didn't quite go out on the best of terms. But I think uh, I think everyone knows going forward that that was always going to be the case, and you know we got to we got to watch many many years of him doing his thing, and I think that's all that anyone can ask for as far as uh, as being a sports fan is concerned. Yeah, I I, I can. Put that I can kind of relate to it in terms of a of a of a really good player going out on maybe not so good terms when I think about Yarmer Yager in Pittsburgh. Um, you know the 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 fan base will be, you know they'll be upset for a while, but uh, you know with with his going out on bad terms so to speak. But 
uh, you know, as, as, as time moves on and, 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 you know, what's the old adage time heals all wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see a, uh, uh, you know, to see a, to see a 33 hanging out of the rafters up there in the arena. Yeah. You never know one day. I think most people can admit that he is quite the legend. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, I believe that is all the time that we have this evening, but we just wanted to say thank you. And if you wanted to to plug any, any new social media accounts or talk about your website again, now is your chance. Uh, sure. Thanks. I, uh, not, not real big, uh, on, on the whole social media side of things, but, uh, I, I mentioned this last time I, I do have a, uh, uh, just a little website that, that's more of an educational thing that I was asked to kind of put together, uh, out of a, out of a, a, a penguins, uh, online group some years back. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll, and I'll spell it out for you. It's just a, just a free website, but I have all the jerseys in my collection up there, including the Cullen jerseys and the uh, uh, Latang jersey we talked about. Uh, it's it's Jeff Shelley, and that's uh, or spelled J E F F S H L Y dot Weebly dot com. Uh, just my own little corner of the uh, of the internet that uh, you know where I. I talk about the jerseys and especially the stories behind each one i'm a i'm a firm believer as a longtime jersey collector i'm a i'm a firm believer that every jersey doesn't matter if it's a game worn jersey or or you know a little uh you know a replica that you would get from dick sporting goods it's it's one of those uh things where every jersey has a story and some of the stories are related to on the ice some of them are off the ice some of them are uh just things that remind me of uh, and and bring back good memories. We talked about it in the in the last podcast that I did with you about the uh, Johan Hedberg jersey from his time with the with the Manitoba Moose, and why that was special for me. And I had to pick it up. So just all those little stories that in my mind make collecting fun. I have those out those listed out there. And uh, uh, there's also a on that site. I also have uh, you know ability where somebody could you know drop me a note, and you'd be surprised how many notes I get in and. Uh, you know, conversation starters with other collectors, you know, some longtime collectors that uh, we get to compare notes with or some new collectors that are that are saying, hey, I, re- I really like what I see out here. How did you do it? Do you have any tips? How can you help me learn that sort of thing? So the the Jersey collecting community I found uh, is 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 a really a really nice bunch of folks that are looking to help each other out. And God knows in, in my collecting over the years, I've been able to get a lot of help and learn a lot from fellow collectors so if i have the opportunity that i can help somebody new out uh you know i very much look forward to the chance of doing so so uh check check out the website take a look around and uh, if anything brings a smile to your face uh, feel free to drop me a note on the website and i'd love to love to engage in conversations with everybody everyone be sure to check out his website thank you so much jeff for hopping on we really appreciate you coming back for the show thanks for having me back had a great time as always I hope you all enjoyed this recent interview. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to tune in to our Locked On NHL National Podcast, hosted by Sarah Avampado. Yours truly will actually be featured on, uh, I believe, tomorrow's episode. So be sure to listen out, and I hope you guys have a great night. See you tomorrow. Go Jets go.